You're listening to WrestlingTradingCards.com. wrestling trading card collectors and we're doing another episode of what i like to call wtc tv <laughs> love it and uh today i have oh, who do we have today I, I have my friend nate how's it going how are you sir oh i'm doing well sir and you sir uh, i'm doing okay a lot of sirs here i i, I don't need <laughs> words where's somebody is an older person behind me um I mean, yeah, we both I, got a, a good I, bit of gray in our beards. So. Yes, we do. So, but you and I are no strangers to doing any type of podcasting right now. It's so like the already kind of episodes. We used to do a lot no. for for Velocard stuff for mm-hmm. for today's topic, which was about Raw Deal, uh, yes, the we old did. Raw Deal game. So, I, I've been wanting to do an episode where we talk about this game, and I got interviewed for a friend of mine named Zan from uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, Wrestling with Cards, which I highly recommend people go and they go subscribe to them now. Go get, go get them. And then he and I run a uh, podcast called Worlds Collide. So go subscribe to that too, people. Go do it. Um, and he interviewed me talking about raw deal cards. And it got me thinking that I wanted to do something for the wrestling trading card community because uh, the definition of trading cards has changed over the years. And especially mm-hmm. over the last year and a half to two years where we've had um, – uh, card games like uh, the 1997 and 98 Cardinal Trivia card game, board game, um, people have been taking that Rocky Maivia card and calling it a first appearance or rookie card, and it's been getting thousands of dollars for that in high grade. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, when I got asked to do an interview talking about Raw Deal, I, I couldn't think of anything that I thought in Raw Deal that would command something that high anyways because I, I can't think of anything in raw deal would be a first appearance of any superstar that no, wasn't I already done in a trading card already no and, and on top of that it's just i think the card community as a whole overlooks raw deal as a collectible um and i'm wondering why maybe is it because they don't know about it because there's nothing in it that would be considered a rookie or first appearance per se I tend to think that maybe those who really are looking into it might look at it as a very condition-sensitive type of card to get graded, because grading is is king uh, when it comes to getting high values for stuff. What, what are your thoughts on that, do you think? I think you're definitely on the right track with the grading, because when we're talking about the expensive things in Raw Deal, we're always going to be talking about foil cards. And the foils in Raw Deal are very prone to curling. And that's going to make their grades just plummet. And that's all the, especially on the older product too. When you start looking at like yep. Premiere through maybe even up through Vengeance, probably where foil, the foil process wasn't as done well as the you know. Yeah, I feel like around Survivor Series two was when the foiling process got really narrowed down and ironclad. And, and, and I guess the people also want to know. We probably should start out that way. Is like. Uh, why would I be picking you to talk about Raw Deal? What is your background in the world of Raw Deal? Oh, my background in the world of Raw Deal. Uh, well, I was the number one ranked player in the world in Raw Deal from, oh, let's see here. It was August to July. I'm blanking on the exact year. It was around WrestleMania 22. So that would be 2006. 
so August 2005 to July 2006. Okay. I also served as the rules manager once the game transitioned over from the print format to the virtual format, and I held that position for 11 years. Wow. And, and virtual format, for those who collect cards, what, what does that mean, virtual format? So as far as collecting cards, virtual isn't going to help you very much. Uh, the virtual format was a way to keep the game going after it went out of print. And we did that by producing new content and rather than putting it in packs and running through the traditional printing process, we just put the images out and said, okay, get these printed off however you want to get it done. You can have them professionally printed. You can just have them printed on common paper stock and slide them in front of a real card, however you want to do it. But these are ways that we could keep the game moving. And from a collector's standpoint, what that did for the game is normally when a game dies, there's a ton of stock out there that nobody really cares about. So the prices start to drop like a rock until you have that long shot of a resurgence 10, 15 years down the line where people start to get really nostalgic for something. And then the prices start climbing back up because everybody got rid of their stock. They sold it for cheap, used it for proxies, burned it in a fire, what have you. Yeah. <laughs> Rodziel never had that happen because virtual kept the game active and moving and kept people buying cards. Because one of the things that we were concerned about and had a clear vision of doing with virtual was not just bricking everybody's old stock. We did not want virtual to be, okay, go print off a deck and play. That's not the environment we were going for. We wanted to make cards to supplement the printed cards, not completely replace all of them, which is why when we did reprints, we always made the reprint worse than the printed card. Slightly. So that way the print, yeah, it, it was subtle things, but we wanted to make sure that those printed cards still held their value so nobody felt like they had just completely wasted years of their lives chasing after these. Yeah, you don't want to hurt people's, uh, you know, some of those their staple cards. And in, in that yes. world, you'd be talking like Revolution of Mine and Get the F Out. And, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of these staple cards that uh, just were already in big demand when the, the game was in print and yep. then became harder to find after years after the, it stopped being done, you know. And it stopped being done in 2007, I believe. That's right? correct. Yeah, yeah. So, and that game's lived long, uh, the game's now lived longer in virtual format than it did actual in print. <laughs> yeah, it was 2000 to 2007 in print, and virtual was what, 2009, 2010 we started? I think uh, late 08, early to 09. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then it just, and still, and still going today. We're still going, yeah. Yeah, still going today. So, I, I think people don't look at uh, raw deal, like collectors who tr collect trading cards, uh, don't look at it at all for various reasons. I think those who have looked at it, like we said, are no, hey, it's condition sensitive. It's very hard. It's like, but you would think that because it's condition sensitive that they would strive to find certain cards they want in their collection in the most peak, you know, uh, uh, form possible. You would think that the other thing that popped into my head is that when you think about trading cards, the big money items that always pop out are the like one of one, one of five, one of 10, sure. the chase cards. Raw deal had one chase card in its entire print run. And it's so chase that practically nobody can even find them anymore. We're talking about cardboard currency, yes, which is a card that actually has no gameplay benefit. You cannot even include it in a deck. You can't play with it, but only a hundred were printed. So if you can find one and people want to buy it, 
that's big money right there. Mm, but that boy, is the I, only I part of that description. Yeah, I, I had four of them. Should have held on. To them. <laughs> <laughs> cr- well, oh, cr- just find the other ninety-six, and you'll be good to go. Uh, well, uh, you know, Creed got one of mine. He took mine. Yeah, I'm uh, sure Baron had one in his collection. So Bruce, oh, I'm sure he probably did. Now. So. Um, I think it's interesting because uh, the raw deal card game has got some really cool and interesting designs in there. And you're going to have all your staple guys. Like you talk about uh, your 97 Cardinal games like that for uh, people look for the rock and stone cold from that. There's even a, now in the last several months, there's been a a Panini sticker that came out that features the rock from 97 as well, but people are calling his true rookie or his true, you know, first Mm -hmm. appearance. And that one and a graded 10, uh, you know, our, Longtime great collector Rob England out there, he he had it sent to uh, I think Golden Auction. It sold for thirty three thousand dollars. Um, and of course, you know prices now have come back down to earth a little bit. Oh, but you know a, a benchmark has been set, uh, a floor has been established on some of these cards, and I'm wondering uh, if people will ever kind of delve into the world of raw deal and say, you know what. I kind of like that uh, four, five, six card set of that uh, that rock from Premiere and stuff like that. You know, it would be that might be worth going after because it's kind of cool. Like, why wouldn't you want to go after? It's kind of it's an early rock. There's more modern stuff of rock stuff that's selling for good money too. I mean, I, who wouldn't want to go after an Undertaker card like this? You know? Yeah, we always called him the evil genie. The evil genie. Got his arms crossed like that. It looks like he should be coming out of a lamp. And I gotta tell you, this is one of the most pristine conditions i've ever uh, found ever too it's in really really good condition too premier cards are really hard to find in good pristine condition i i got a whole set here of you know of premier guys that are just in in immaculate condition i i can't believe the 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 condition quality these are awesome so i would think that over time people would probably start looking towards some raw deal stuff if they're looking for something to you know, add to their collection. Like I'm a big time, you know, Stone Cold fan. I got to have everything Stone Cold. And you have raw deal cards? What's raw deal? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's weird because there's other card games out there that people gravitate towards. And hell, there's even like playing cards from the 80s and 90s that people go after mm-hmm. that, you know, have the Ultimate Warrior or Big Boss Man on or Mr. Perfect. And they go after those cards. And it's like, there's raw deal stuff too. I just don't know if there's any real value there for someone to, you know, long-term. I mean, do you think, I mean, you should know, and you've seen it right now recently too. And as a seller of raw deal cards, you know, as we talked off air, I mean, who knows, I might not, I'd be coming to an end. Um, <laughs> um, the market's gone crazy across the board in all collectibles and raw deal is not, uh, uh, yeah, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic just yeah. made everything shoot up in value because people are sitting at home and, and, and wanting so, to have something to do. Cards that were $30, $40, which was already a high-end kind of card for raw deal as it was, are now yeah. going for $150, $200 in some cases. You know, these $200 cards, which were the, like the high-end foot stomp throwbacks and first-to-tap yep. throwbacks, things like that. You know, those were 200 maybe 150 to 200 range like that. You're now going for four and five hundred bucks in some cases, you know. And I don't know if there's shill bidding going on, if there's some padding going on. Who's to say? We just know that we see these prices going up, and it is on par with trading cards. And mm-hmm. trading cards have shot way up. And I'm wondering how much longer do you think the raw deal trend will continue to keep going? Or because I'm looking at it recently and I'm not seeing the price is falling down as far as trading cards are right now on the secondary market. So I think the thing that helps to balloon the raw deal secondary market 
and might explain why it's not dropping quite as hard is that there is a game there with a trading card yeah trading cards are wonderful but when you have your collection that's it you just have your collection you put it in a binder you display it somewhere that's it when you have a game behind it that gives you an incentive to go out and chase after those cards to use them for something and like i was just talking about with the covid19 pandemic people will have more free time now and they want to do something with that time so getting to play a game with your friends even if you're doing it virtually through zoom or facetime or whatever that gives you an incentive to go after those cards and it's going to keep people interested in them and when people stay interested in something the value doesn't decline and i think it takes those cards off the market now too which that's makes another even, good point which makes them even harder to come by mm -hmm. and therefore the prices start going up i mean people are like we were more. just talking about the premiere guys if you want to play rock and you really want a good rock deck, you're probably going to want a patented rock foot stomp throwback. Probably. And that was only printed in one set in the entire game, which was Survivor Series 3. And that particular set had more ultra rare cards in it than every other set put together, if I remember properly. It's, I think it's probably it's very, pretty close. close. Yeah. So the sheer number of foot stomps out there is lower just because it's in such a wide pool. I also vaguely remember, and I could be mistaken about this, but I believe that the throwback ultra rares were even shorter printed compared to the other ultra rares. Yeah, you know, people have talked about that before in the past. How do you verify that? Like, do, is that just like a rumor? Is that a myth? Is that like something you remember from playtesting days or? So I'm remembering it more as a rumor. The way to verify that would be we would need to get our hands on a couple of uncut sheets of ultra rares. And then True. we could just sit there and count them out and see if they are short printed on the sheet. But I haven't gotten my hands on a sheet of SS3 ultra rares to try and count it out. And I have a feeling that if any uncut sheets still existed, somebody probably would have cut them up for value by now. Plus that'd be a hell of an uncut sheet compared to other releases. There's a big card set of 600 plus cards. Yeah. So that would be a, like a gold mine just in one sheet. It really would be absolutely because even if it represented only one of every card on it, it's like that, it's still, that's a, that's a lot of money there. Yeah. I mean, if someone's, willing, if someone's willing to, you know, spend the time to cut that properly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've dealt with some ultra rares in the past where I bought in some from people who cut clearly cut them from a sheet. And, right. Uh, and I, they're I just cut with square corners. And yeah. They look like shit. Or, or they try to like round them so like that, like, oh, it's okay. It's bad. That, that looks like shit. <laughs> and then um, I, I, but you know, it, I, I sold them a little cheaper because it was that way, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I I don't know about raw deal. I, I don't know if it'll ever be something because it fits in that time frame too, around 2000 to 2007. So it fits in a time frame when a lot of good card sets came out. It was right during. I mean, Comic Games had the license already, so they were doing trading mm -hmm. cards and the raw deal yep. game. So you have like that 98 superstar set that Comic Games just put out. I mean, that rock num card number five in that set. Uh, was commanding a lot of money. I mean, you you can still sell it raw. I think, I think it's still going for like thirty bucks. You know, raw, wow. ungraded. That's and, and that really was a card set that I couldn't sell those card sets back in the day for you know twenty bucks for the whole set. Mm -hmm. And now people are like you know plucking that stuff out. So when when I come across someone's little box of cards, it's like you know yeah, it's got like six or seven of these uh, sets of the superstars. So like how much you want for it? I'll take fifty bucks for it. All right, I'm done. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean now it's like finding gold, but 
but Raw Deal fits in that time frame that has a lot of key superstars. Um, you know, you, you've got Rock, you've got, you got Stone Rock, Cold. you got Stone Cold, Triple H, Chris Jericho, Taker. and usually you have two or three different versions of those guys. Yeah, because you get the remakes, and if you get into Revolution, you get the Revolution guys. Do you collect anything at all? Uh, you don't collect trading cards at all, do you? I'm not a trading card guy, no. Of any kind, have you ever been a trading card collector? Even as a kid? No. When I was a kid, I was playing card games. I wasn't collecting trading cards. I would you've pick always, up a couple. You've always been that card game guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have been since <laughs> I was like twelve. So you're not even as a kid like you uh, never played uh, baseball cards as a kid, like you six, seven, eight years no. old. No, um, the closest I got was I bought some comic trading cards back when um, I remember there was a set that was full of featured art by the Hildebrand brothers. Okay. And those cards look gorgeous because the Hildebrands are talented as fuck. Yeah. I think but, it might have been like an old Fleer Skybox type of release. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah. That was the only time that I really got into trading cards because they were just so gorgeous that I couldn't let them they're, You know, they're still putting out some uh, amazing um, uh, Marvel Universe cards like that are just some, just some badass artwork on there. And you know, even from the movie stuff they put out, so I got too, and they got the whole cast to sign autographs, and it's just, uh, it's some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I could easily get drawn back into, you know, collecting that kind of stuff, and I have to be very careful of how I want to, and it's already, you know, a wrestling trading card collector. It's hard for me not to collect that stuff, and I don't. I don't, I have very, I, I buy a little here, buy a little there, but I've, mm -hmm. I, for the first time in my life, as I mentioned in other episodes, uh, I'm, a, I'm a player collector for the first time, so I've chosen to collect all Kurt Angle stuff. So okay. I, I, all I do is collect Kurt Angle cards, uh, load numbered stuff if I can, autograph cards. If it's serial numbered or a variant, I want those because the common stuff, I probably already have all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm all after like, you know, patches and ring mat cards, things like that. So um, that's really cool. And, and Kurt Angle's part of it. He's part of what? Second release? Uh, Kurt loaded. was, yeah, fully loaded. Second, second release. release. So, I mean, uh, that would be one of his earlier cards. Mm hmm. I mean, cause he, I mean, he came out, he was, yeah. You know, and that came out in 2000. I, was fully loaded 2000 or was it early 2001? So it was, was premiere the only release in 2000? Cause premiere debuted at Gen Con 2000, which okay. was August. Oh, so it would have to be early 2001. Okay. Yeah. I, I would imagine be around February, 2001. Okay. So and that's because, just off the top of my head. I don't have anything open to check. Because his his rookie or his first appearance trading card, a lot of people, I mean, outside of his Olympic card from 96, mm. 95, 96, okay. um, is, uh, which is super hard to come by. And I want one <laughs> yes. so bad. Um, and But um, which they just came out with a new Olympic set. Tops came out with a new mm -hmm. Olympic set this year. And he's got an on-card, not a sticker, an on-card signature in that set. Oh, that's fucking uh, great. And I want one so bad. <laughs> and um, uh, But... He was his first you know, pro wrestling trading card, to my knowledge, and I'm sure people will correct me in the comments of this video, I'm sure, um, oh, yeah, of was in the 2000 uh, Comic Images, 2000 uh, No Mercy, uh, all mm -hmm. silver foil set, where I think he's suplexing uh, Taz. Okay. Um, and then not even a few months later, maybe, you know, it's like early 2001, now he, yep. he has a superstar card. So he has a superstar card and what? restarted at cards to ultra rares yep so that first set that if, if there's any like looking for early you know superstars i guess kurt angle might be one of those guys that card collectors who want something early like a very early release 
uh, of a superstar, that would be a good superstar to go after, I think. Absolutely. I, and I'm thinking too, like, even like Jericho, like Jericho, we just did a, I, I, I got interviewed on a, on a, uh, a Instagram live by mm -hmm. uh, a guy st st stacking slabs, uh, Matt, what, what a great guy. Um, he, he had me on to talk about, cause there's a Jericho from triple uh, uh, A cards set from mm -hmm. 1995, I think it was 1993, 1993. Okay. And uh, someone's asking a half a million dollars for it in a BGS nine on eBay, Fuck. which is, okay. which is just, which is, you know, greater than any rock card, you know, out there. Oh yeah. And and nothing to take anything from anybody at all like that. But it's kind of like just throwing it out there and saying, "Hey, look at me! I have this." And I'm sure if someone offered him a hundred grand for it, you know, he'd probably take it. I don't know. Um, but he's also the only guy in the world who's got a BGS nine point five out there. So yeah. He was smart enough to go out there and get it graded, threw it up there, and said, "Hey, if you want it, here it is, man. Make me an offer." Yep. Here's the price. I, I I get the kick out of it. He's still charging nine ninety nine for shipping, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, better get insurance in that thing too yeah. while you're at it for a half a million dollars i will get a first class airfare and bring it to you hand delivered <laughs> i'll keep that in mind yeah um and so it, it's just uh we, we want to talk about that but you know he didn't have his first trading card inside the states because that was in mexico right. um and he's not even known as chris jericho then um and so he, he has his first uh u.s based de Leon? correct and uh, so his 1998 WCW Tops card would be his first, basically, mm -hmm. U.S.-based trading card. So we're only talking a couple of years difference because he's in the premiere release mm -hmm. in 2000. And so there's another superstar that, hmm, maybe I should go after Chris Jericho stuff. You know, he's still very Especially popular. if you're thinking about Chris Jericho and WWF stuff, because as I recall, he made his debut in late 99. Yes. Because they still, did the yeah. whole Y2J thing. Yes, so WWF. I mean, yep. um, you know, in trading cards too, uh, the class of 2002 is kind of regarded as a really good class of superstar that came out in 2002. And that would be the uh, Fleers uh, 2002 uh, WWE Royal Rumble, which I think it was the first WWE product that came out mm -hmm. after they changed the name. Well, that also debuts the four key guys in that set. So Brock Lesnar, yeah. Randy Orton. Yeah. Uh, Batista and mm -hmm. John Cena are all okay. part of that set. And those cards in high grades, especially Cena, people were asking like a grand for those trading cards. And I used to have a literally the pure definition of plethora. I had so many of those things. I had, and I, I couldn't sell them for 15 bucks a set. And I finally would, you know, I'd sell them to other dealers at wholesale mm -hmm. for $10 a piece. And mm -hmm. now I have a couple left and that's it, you know. But I used to have probably 30, 40 sets of that stuff. And, um, that's a good crop, and all of those guys are featured in Raw Deal. Yes, they are. Brock was in Velocity. Which came out in what year? Uh, let's see here. Velocity would have been 2000. It was either late 2003 or... No, it would have been 2003. So we're talking one year removed from his trading card. And he had a promo, too. So that even came out earlier in the year, too. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's a promo Brock Lesnar card. He's got his, There was, yes. His starter deck. Not to mention, uh, you know, the ultra rares for him. So we're talking another superstar that's only one year removed. So if I'm someone who say, hey, I'm in priced out of getting uh, the trading card uh, from from Royal mm -hmm. Rumble, but hey, I mean, I can get like his next card, which is probably a you know raw deal card. That raw deal. Right. Card. Even before he came out in Velocity, Brock was part of the Ruthless Aggression box set. Correct. 
So there's going to be some Brock stuff in that. That was what Brock lock yes. and bad of the bone. Bad of the bone. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about raw deal cards too, that I noticed that some people who collect cards don't give a shit about mm. is uh, they don't care that it has, it's a Brock Lesnar specific with his logo on it. If he's got a picture of him on it, they consider that a Brock Lesnar card. Well, if you just want pictures of superstars, boy, howdy, Raw Deal can help you out immensely. <laughs> yes. Because there were 150, 200 cards in the set, and they all needed pictures. Yep. So a lot of them have the big stars on them to get those cards moving. Especially even that, that premiere set, because they took a lot mm-hmm. of, like, they, they, they actually specifically took pictures of, like, Steve Blackman and Taz in the ring to kind of pretend to do moves because they needed images that for the cards. Did they do that for fully loaded? I think they even did it for fully loaded, didn't they? I know they did it for fully loaded, and I think they used some of those pictures in Backlash too. I don't remember if they did that for Premiere because I think they did that after the game had already started moving. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I think Premiere is just going to have a lot of stock stills, but still, you're talking about pictures that have been taken by WBFWB photographers at the events. Yes. They're great pictures. What about this even is that... not like some fucking screen caps off a of 1998 WCW DVD. Exactly. What about also, it's, it's even, this one back even a little further. Before sure. Premiere, we had yep. the WrestleMania deck exclusives. We sure did. And that had a Stone Cold and a Rock. And I had one of yep. those, each of those decks, and I gave them away, stupidly gave them away as prizes. Um, uh, I think Vic... Vic, uh, I can't remember his last name. He was a play tester for years. Vic. Vician? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I gave one to him. I think I gave one to Albert, you know, from West uh, WCW West Coast or West Coast. Champ. He was a West Coast champ. Um, but yeah. uh, I think he got one. And anyhow, but that even, did that come out in 2000 or maybe 99, late 99, didn't it? I think that was 2000. If I remember correctly, and feel free to correct me in the comments, I believe that was given out at Fan Access at WrestleMania that year. Yes, that's where I got to it. Drum at. up interest ahead of Gen Con. That was in yep. Anaheim at so uh, that Fan been Access. 2000. Because yeah. I was there. Yep. That's where I got. I got that, and I was like, okay, I'll take some of those. I'll take one of each of those. I don't. I, I don't. I don't care for any more of those. And I got that pamphlet too, that, that rule book for they're going to do a role playing mm-hmm. type game as well. And so yes. I have. I got some of those. And I'm like, uh, I guess I'll take some of that. But I was really interested. I was into trading cards. I didn't play mm-hmm. Raw Deal. I, uh, well, I, nobody played Raw Deal. It didn't exist yet. <laughs> well, they were. I, I had no interest in a card game, period. I was like, right. I wanted the trading cards. And they were doing these oversized um, uh, three cards, uh, fan, uh, all access, fan fest exclusives, one of three through mm-hmm. three of three, with mm-hmm. one of three being, I think, Big Show, two of three being Triple H, and three of three being The Rock. And so oh, I'm like, I, I, I wanted those. I wanted those. I wanted those. Oh, I, you know, do I have them? I don't have them here. <laughs> Damn it. Normally, I've been pulling stuff out of my butt lately. All kind of, I do have them. Hold on. I have them. Ah! Here we go. Just uh, I, trust me. I've been asked many times now. I'm going to start doing a Tony storage unit finds. <laughs> so here is the card number one. It's an oversized card. Oh, that's beautiful. So it's it's um it's a little bit of embossed and foiled. Mm-hmm. And the back yep, will tell I can you that. see the shine there. Yep beauty and so that would be number one which these are also one and two are very hard to find three is almost impossible to find i can believe it and so <laughs> love it and then of course again exclusive on the back i love the little comic images logo on the bottom right of the back oh yes of course you got to have that yeah yeah and then that's the hard one to find is the rock oh yeah that's 
awesome giving out that push. rock bottom right there yep. yeah to, to triple h no less oh, um and so uh nice little fact as well i know somewhere in storage i've got it i have uh two maybe three uncut sheets of that awesome um but that'll make not, somebody but, very happy well and they're not to be not it's not to be uh, understood that it's an uncut sheet of all those cards what they did mm. to make room because uh comic games had a, a lot of licenses back then for trading cards they had olivia and uh, jennifer Genesco, conan um, yeah a lot of art fantasy art stuff and then they got the yep. wwe license but they also had a license for hot wheels <laughs> okay so it's a Hot Wheels Chromium trading card collection. And the bottom of that sheet is one row of, of those cards. Yeah. So uh, I have three. I'm pretty sure I have three. I know for a fact, too, but pretty sure I have three uncut sheets of that that have the Hot Wheels stuff on it with those three <laughs> cards in the bottom. There's going to be some Hot Wheels collector out there that's like, what the fuck are these wrestling yeah. cards doing on my uncut sheet? On oh, my uncut sheets. I, I got to <laughs> probably just cut them off and threw them away. <laughs> Yeah, probably. But if you even go on eBay looking for those, you might find the uh, the Triple H and the Big Show one, but you're going to be really hard-pressed to find that rock one. It's, it's, it goes for a, a decent amount of money, I would assume, because I've never seen one sell. Uh, but I would imagine with the way the market is these days, it probably would hold some kind of value to it. So, oh, I'm sure it would. There's a lot of stuff that Comic Game just put at that time that would be some good stuff. Matter of fact, well, it's a trading card they did. It, there was a trading card set that Comic Images was supposed to put out when they lost the license for WWE, mm -hmm. and it was a Diva set. Yeah. That, coincidentally, is featured in a little tiny mini advertisement in the back of the rulebook of the very first premiere rulebook. There is a yeah. there's an advertisement for the Rock Solid set, which is the yeah. Rock all about him trading card set, and then yeah. a, an advertisement for the Diva set that never got released. Yeah. And my understanding is only eight of the eight card set ever got printed of those cards. Mm -hmm. I have those. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Well, I have one set. It was, it was so nice of them when I used to call them and uh, Ron Ferrari, I used to talk to him and he was the editor of all that stuff. He did all the raw deal stuff too. He used to edit mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, I was good friends with Alan Gordon and then I would talk to him quite a bit at Comic-Con Alan Gordon was such a sweetheart. Such Love a great guy. guy. Him and Hank, I like both those guys were great. I never got to hang out with Hank. Hank could be a ball buster. Uh, but, I probably uh, would have liked him more then. Yeah, and that's kind of why I liked him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, those guys uh, used to be my contacts there for all the time. And I would call and talk to Ron. And Ron was so good to me about uh, getting information about trading cards. And I kept saying, dude, I did not know that this promo card that existed. I just saw it in the back of a rule book. Or, I can't remember where I saw it. And I kept hitting him up. I was, I'm pretty sure we have a land around here somewhere. I said, we, we keep one copy of every car we've ever printed for, you know, archiving purposes. Yeah, of course. And I go, okay, well, you know, I love to get scans, images, something I can have so I can show proof that they exist and I can put them on the checklist on WTC back mm -hmm. in the day. And uh, he goes, you know what? You're a hardcore collector. How about I just scan them myself? And I'll send you the set. <laughs> and, that, and that's how I got a hold of the set. It's good uh, to have friends. Yeah, good to have friends. But um Let's kind of close things out here a little bit sure. about some raw deal. And um, I think people should probably give, I think collectors should give raw deal a look. I really do. I think there's a lot of. There's definitely a lot of really cool cards in the raw deal sets. And I think one of the things that makes them very cool for collectors, not just that they have all these really cool images on them, but the foils in every set, except for series three, 
they did kind of a two-layer foil deal where most of the card is foil and some parts of the card are not foil to help them stand out. And I know when you hear that, that sounds, oh, that's crap. They should just foil the whole card. But when you're actually sitting there looking at the card, having that dual layer foiling makes them really pop and they look really cool just in a sleeve or in a hard top just sitting on a shelf. And do you think that hurt just long-term value for a collector though because of the peeling um no because i've never and i do seriously mean never had a raw deal card peel on me okay and i think i i think another side effect of finding mint cards for raw deal is because people play their cards so they're going to have some sort of playware on them yes. so when you come Even across they're in sleeves they're still going to have some playware on correct. them because there's a practice in modern magic called double sleeving where you take a perfect fit sleeve and put it inside the sleeve so that way there's a perfect seal we didn't do that back in radio nobody had ever thought about that <laughs> nobody cared because they're wrestling fans man nobody they're dirty you know uh you know <laughs> not going there that's your word sir no, not mine I, but i, I will I'm... say that a lot of the interest in the game was in playing the game yes because so I, I, I noticed we took care I, of our cards, but it wasn't like we have to make sure this is mint 10 perfect grade. No, because you, we you weren't collecting to collect from that aspect. You were collecting right. to play and build decks and disassemble right. and put something else together to, for your cards and yep. like that. I, I think it's, it's definitely a, a, a series of cards that if trading card collectors out there uh, who are watching this, um, it's something that's good to look for to add to supplement your your collection if you're a player collector you know in this case a wrestling collector whatever um and you're looking for something different off the beaten path of your trading card stuff raw deal is a cool thing to find some cool images whether it be a superstar specific or have like a picture of brock lesnar doing some sort of weird you know backbreaker torture rack you know, yeah. you know something you know it's just got some cool badass images on there it doesn't have to be foil it could be a regular plane there's promo cards yeah, even the regular out. cards are super high quality and um you know I, I would like to see some of these actually getting graded someday i really like to see someone That'd actually really go cool. out there because i think what to me personally as a raw deal person uh for me personally i think one of the hardest cards in all of raw deal for me to find in a, what you would call a gem mint condition. Sure. It's going to be the cactus double arm DDT. Oh yeah. I really By think far. that. Cause cactus Jack was only printed in one set. It was the first survivor series set. And even more so than premiere survivor series one cards are not very easy to find. And they tend to come to you in less than stellar condition because that was a set that a lot of people would just crack open packs, sort through them stuff, and then just play those cards over and over and over. It was also Especially Cactus third... because he never got reprinted. So yeah. if you wanted to play Cactus, you had to be playing with those old Survivor Series 1 cards. And, and Survivor Series SS1, as people call it, SS1, SS2, SS3. Yep. SS1 had... Um, it's the first time they ever had the best of. So it was a great way yep. for our player to get, it's like, well, I didn't know about this game. I can get, get right into SS1 and mm -hmm. I can really get myself caught up. So yep. they introduced reprints of old, you know, superstars and they reprinted some new superstars had never been reprinted before. And Cactus was one of those guys. And that right. card to me, I found a collection here in Phoenix where it was someone who collected. It was the first time I ever met some, or knew someone 
course, the guy I bought it from, I bought it from someone else who was selling it for someone whose husband passed away. Yeah. Um, and he didn't play, he collected. Mm. And so everything was in a binder, sleeved in a binder and in pristine condition. And it had a cactus double arm BDT in it. And I'd never seen one. And I told, uh, you know, Mike, my partner, I said, you need to scan this. This is the one we have to scan. It's an amazing condition. <laughs> Uh, and I, to me, I just think it's so hard to find that card of, you know, all the years of my experience in raw deal. There's a lot of them. They're like, eh, these are, I can still find those pretty plentiful. You can find a paid laden made, you know, pretty easily out there. It's been taking real care of, but finding a cactus double on BDT is really hard to find. Yeah. Even some of that older stuff, even premier stuff, it's, it's still, you could find, yeah, I could find a premier stone cold face card. You know, that's, I got one right here. It's from a, finding a premier stone cold face card that's been taken good care of it's rather than it just got played so many times and then it got replaced and the old one just got shoved in a binder somewhere and forgot. It's about hard it. to find, but you know, they, they do exist. And I mean, I got one right here. It's an, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, it's in where I got this from. It's in just amazing conditions, just such amazing condition. Um, even like the, the U S title belt that came out was an amazing condition. Um, mm. And that's something else too. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if players would collect that. That's an interesting topic. I want to actually, I'm going to write that down and actually have a conversation that people collect certain cards that don't feature superstars. That's interesting. Because, I mean, because in gaming, we have title belts and things like yeah. that. And speaking of games now too, uh, one of the popular games out there is Slam Attacks. Top okay. that game, Slam Attacks. Now, it didn't start out very strong. And no. people here in the States, I think to this day, still don't, collected to play it's very well uh received internationally like mm -hmm. soccer just not here <laughs> <laughs> um but in the uk where it really thrives mm. um uh, and i've done several interviews with people i have a series on on my channel called collector from around the world so i've interviewed someone mm -hmm. from the uk i've had someone from malaysia i've had someone from australia on and we talk about what their market's like for collecting cards and number one in all those places always been slam attacks well, Slam Attacks recently has been upping their game and making it not just about being a card game. Mm -hmm. It's also now a collectible card. It's a trading card because now okay. they, offer, they offer autographs, randomly inserted impacts. They had one now for the new one where they had a piece of the gravel in it from the Boneyard match. Oh, that's cool. um, they've had, uh, you know, memorabilia type cards now they've been adding. Um, and so, and they're numbered and, you know, uh, so they're kind of, grabbing the trading card collector and the gaming card collector and kind of doing that so I, and i think raw deal is sort of overlooked in that because it did that already except for the memorabilia stuff it did autographs it well did. yeah it did do autographs because we had a run of backstage signature cards that were offered as prize support and they, did two, they did two series of that and they there did, was backstage signature and backstage signing appearance an appearance and i think one of those had a wave one and a wave two I think it was a signing appearance had wave one and wave two. The signatures and, were just and, kind and, of there. And what kind of superstars could people want to go collect and try to find for that? They have a, they're genuine autographs too, by the way. Yes. This is not like we had Triple H sign a hundred stickers and just stick them on cards. Correct. These are all no, on they card literally signatures. signed the card. Well, I just said one of the big names, Triple H. And he's very he limited. 10. Only 10. Yep. Him and Randy Orton are the lowest numbered ones at 10. Yep. Who else? We had uh, Eddie Guerrero signed. Yes. I, did Eddie Guerrero sign it two different ways? Was there's, there a, there's regular Eddie Guerrero and there's one Latino Heat. And then there's Heat. Steve Or no, uh, yeah, Latino, Latino Heat. Heat. There you go. Yep. So there's two versions of that. 
there's a uh, big show signed. We had, I mean, there's a, a lot, Tori Wilson, if you're, if you collect her, there's a lot of cool autographs to go out and look. And those used to be pretty plentiful and the raw deal world plentiful is, you know, 200 cards signed, Yeah. you know, and, and, and comic images was very nice to even show you on their old website. They would break it down. Like how many of yep, these ways, they broke how it down many by each, the exact numbers and how many each person signed. Mm-hmm. So we know how many exist in the world that were released by comic images. Now we're not going to be talking about people who take a Nunzio who they didn't like and scratch it off and then get someone else to sign. Cause you can kind of tell right. those from something else. Yeah. It's very clear when somebody took an eraser and just erased the pen. Um, if you use rubbing alcohol, it's a little less clear, but it's still obvious. But we take those, you take those autographs and all of those by definition in the collectible world for trading card, are extremely low print runs by because wrestling as a whole, so as a whole is printed as a low print run. I have something run. relevant to this discussion. Sure. Let me go grab it. I'll be right back. Sure, no problem. I don't think I've ever had a guest just get up and walk away before, but here we go. <laughs> Walking away. I think if he's going to bring something back, it'd be very interesting to see if we have uh, a signed card. In, in Raw Deal, uh, uh, the print runs were probably typical to a normal. Uh, trading card run. But when you start talking about the play, people playing their cards, uh, what's available, and people would oftentimes mark them up and write on them, which they call proxies, because they didn't say, well, I don't have this particular card, so I'm going to make this one my card. I was just talking while you were out, just like that, saying another key component too, by making cards kind of limited. Now, there'd be lower end stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. people would take cards and say, well, I don't have Revolution of Mind, but my group allows proxies. So I'm going to go ahead and just write on this, you know, clutch and put Revolution of Mind. So now you're just taking more cards out of the market, off the Mm -hmm. the collectible world. And so the print runs as a whole are pretty low. So you talked about Wave 1 and Wave 2, and the more I think about it, the more I think it was the backstage signatures. Because one of the things that I've still kept and i've never actually sat down and thought about what i would even sell this for is i have a complete set of the three m&m signatures so i've got mercury nitro and molina and then in the signing appearances they had a jillian hall so i added that to the set because she was their fixer right exactly that's awesome complete m&m signature set that's awesome and those are all on card those are all on card. Straight from Comic Images who got yep. those straight from their relationship with WWE. Correct. So these are not like someone made homemade cards, which is nothing we have a lot in the, in the world right now because the technology is a lot of people to make mm-hmm. it. Trust me, I know all about printing cards. I mean, oh, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the downfalls of doing that. Yeah, um, that's a conversation for yeah. another day. But uh, um, so many people are creating their own cards and, and doing one-offs themselves and printing yeah. autograph cards. I mean, uh, pretty famous right now are the 1998-99 WCW series that came out. So they had three releases that came out in those years and Topps did those. And they had on-card signatures, 37 potential pack pull ones in series one, 37 different autographs in the NWO Nitro set, 30, and 27 different autos in the embossed set. So there's 101 total different superstars you can pull from packs. And then we've been finding over the years now, especially recently, we've been finding certain superstars that never returned their cards are now finally hitting the secondary market after 20 <laughs> plus years of never seeing the light of day. There's been a, uh, a Mongo McMichael one that just surfaced wow. recently that not signed, but are legit. They never mm-hmm. got returned. Um, the Ray Mysterio ones, which I've told people many times, I made those available to the public when I, I got them from him. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a one of one Ric Flair one made its way out there. Um, someone just did a, a ta- uh, just did a, um, uh, we, I did an interview with the guy who made it available, a uh, Mike Enos, that no one ever saw before. 
Uh, Booker T has two versions. I mean, there's just all these different kinds of, it's the sets that I say keeps on giving because here we are 20 yeah. some odd years later and there's new things being discovered. These backstage prize cards are, are they're, they're on card signatures. They're beautiful yeah. cards. They feature legit signatures. They don't have to be, the, the, the Molina is not a picture of Molina. It doesn't have to be no. that. So it's, it's weird when you have a superstar, someone look at, well, it doesn't have Brock Lesnar on it. Why would I want him? You know, kind of thing. Well, because it's, it can be played by Brock Lesnar. Don't, don't, you know, it's just, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so it's, those are really hard to find cards. And I think those have high collectability and those don't get tossed around a lot. Like regular cards no. do. You sleeve because them, you put the them on the table, and the you backstage view signatures them. is that they never got shuffled into your deck. Correct. They were always just in the backstage area. So these cards generally just stayed in top loaders or things like this. Yep. I know whenever I used my backstage signatures, they stayed in a hard pack top loader. The instant I got them as a tournament prize, they went straight into a hard pack top loader. And then, in and fact, I think do, my store just gave them out in hard pack top loaders. You so just I lay them down even, the table and you yeah. never touch them again. Really, and so they have the, the, the least amount of play <laughs> than mm-hmm. any of the cards in a raw deal, for the most part. So I mean, I think those are should be highly sought after by collectors out there. I mean, if you can't go out and buy, because to date, other than a cut signature, I can't think if there's any other Eddie Guerrero autograph cards that he ever did. And I can't remember any off the top of my head. Either. I don't remember if he signed for Tops. I don't think he no, because he passed away just as Tops got the license in '05. Right. So he doesn't have any authentic, official, certified autograph card by Tops in their products like that, other than the one he did for WCW. Mm-hmm. So if you want another on-card signature by Eddie Guerrero, Raw Deal's the place to go to. That he did and if as you a WWF superstar. If you want an on-card signature as Latino Heat, not going to happen in WCW. Not gonna, not gonna ha- I think there's a few that he did sign Latino Heat in, uh, in WCW? WCW. Yes. Really? I think... I could be wrong. There's something, somebody did something. The Chris Benoit one, he did an inscribed, he inscribed uh, four for four horsemen on it, mm-hmm. uh, on those. Um, which I'm surprised that, that Rod Dill never got him to sign. Granted, he was no. the guy, I think at the first world championships, didn't he hand out prize? Like he was like one of the guys you got to meet. I don't remember because that was before I got into the game. I think because uh, that guy I interviewed, who was the first Rod Dill champion, I think that was Mike. Mike Canoe, yeah. Yeah, I did, I did interview him, I believe. And he, had a picture of himself in like a, a magazine, like a scry or something like that. Where, yeah, that sounds right. Where, scry or inquest. Inquest, where he, uh, you know, they talked about raw deal. It's a new card game, and you know the world championships, and it showed him with Crispin Wash like that in a belt and stuff like that. Everything. It's really cool. And, and I thought that's kind of weird. I he never he never signed for them. I wonder why. You know, <laughs> but there, there's a lot of cool stuff in raw deal. I think collectors out there should go out and check it out. Uh, it is highly and very uh, condition sensitive if you want to go that route and looking for grading purposes, but if looking for something to add to your collection to like, hey, you know, kind of complete it. Like, I got everything I need of, you know, uh, Stone Cold. You know, what else could I possibly get? Raw deal. What's raw deal? You know, okay. Right. Well, I guess you don't have everything you need when it comes to cards and, and Stone Cold. And then when you whip out that fancy shiny foil Stone Cold card, all your friends can be like, what is that? What is that? That's so, so cool. Uh, so I, I think it's uh, I think it's important people kind of know about all the different types of cards out there. People are gravitating towards cards, obviously trading cards. They have been over the last year plus now going towards card games. I think Raw Deal gets overlooked because we've got the Slam Attacks, we've got the old Cardinal games, we've got other kinds of gamings and stuff like that. 
And I think um, even though Rod doesn't have any like rookie cards or first appearance type cards, they got like some, hey, I can't afford the rookie. I'll get the next level down, which is this one. I think Rod Dill's got a lot of stuff. So, but uh, that's it for Rod Dill, man. You got anything else about Rod Dill stuff? I think we covered it. Well, I, I, I appreciate you giving me the time. Uh, come on. Talk hey, about I Rod appreciate Dill. you having me. Uh, I, I always love talking to you, man. When we did our valid card stuff, it's uh, I look forward to having a conversation with you. <laughs> I, I, I don't oh, think we're going to be doing much more of those videos anymore, but. Who knows? Who knows? Never. It's like wrestling. Never say never. No. Absolutely not. Never say never. Well, everybody, if uh, I hope you learned something from this episode, if you have comments, suggestions, questions, uh, you don't like that beard on on Nate's face, uh, leave in the comments below. Let them know. (laughs) I'm not changing it. Well, it's okay. I mean, it's all right. I mean, uh, (laughs) but uh, if you have any other questions like that, I mean, I know enough about Rod Deal, I could probably answer you. But when it comes to the intricate details of like the old school days, rules, this is the guy we got to talk to right here. Um, I think we, it, it, it'd be uh, good to know all those things. <laughs> That's why I wanted you all on the episode. So I'm always but, happy to share what I know. But uh, yeah, I think that's it, man. So uh, right, I guess until good. next time, I guess we're going to be out of here. All right. Take care.